Again, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pro Wrestling Chop Shop, a pro wrestling podcast Absolutely here. Absolutely priceless! Yes, here on the Alliance Pro Wrestling Network, I am Luke Doris, a Charm City Center, and with me, as always, my tag team partner. Dan the Man, the Maryland City Saint. How are you guys doing tonight? Oh, <laughs> if you don't know, that was the great Joe Henry singing... Will Osprey can fly. <laughs> and trust me, uh, after the match we had just seen, yeah, it's true. Will Osprey can fly. Oh yeah, Will Osprey can fly. Of course, everybody's talking about the uh, Super J Cup up on New Japan World this week. Thank goodness, happened uh, the end of August, and um, the much talked about match with Osprey and Amazing Red was uh, the big match that came out this week. And um, we just finished watching it a few moments ago. It's probably like the third time I've watched it this week. I've showed a couple different people. And uh, thoughts about the match, Danny? Absolutely stunning. Absolutely amazing. I mean, it, the fact that Amazing Red was coming into this bad boy injured and you really didn't feel, you didn't notice, that's, that's saying something. Yeah, you really couldn't tell. For a guy that doesn't really work that much, that that's uh, you know he's basically just you know training guys. You know he's you know famously trained Private Party and works in House of Glory over here on the East Coast. Uh, you know Osprey, you know pretty much I don't want to say big New Japan officials, but he was um, adamant about getting Amazing Red in the J Cup this year, and they definitely delivered. They put on mm -hmm. a great match. It went about 30 minutes, I think 28 minutes to be exact, but about a half hour, and they worked at Will Ospreay's pace. I mean, it was just a fantastic match, and uh, the only thing I can really say that I didn't like about the match was the ring size. I think the being a small, like, Very independent much, yeah. ring took away from some of the action. There's a couple of clunky things that I don't think would have looked as clunky, um, in a larger, regular New Japan ring, but they had to use that, um, I guess, because Defy works at the uh, Temple Theater in Tacoma a lot, so they used the small, like, indie U.S. And ring. And you were mentioning that they were actually using real rope. Yeah, that was really, really interesting, too, because uh, the only place you'll actually see real ropes in wrestling is the WWE, or, like, NXT. But the fact that they were actually using real ropes... Uh, was something that was very interesting, and it really I liked that. I think I thought it looked good, and they seemed to have no problem doing it. Uh, some of the spots alone in that match were just fantastic. Um, Osprey always looked great. Red looked really good, like I said, for being injured and not working uh, regularly. He kept up with Osprey. Um, everything was real good. Red's timing was fantastic. Very he much kept so, up yeah. the entire time. Um, he hit all of his uh, signature moves: that flip DDT, the uh, flip off the post, uh, the code red. Osprey hit that insane Oz cutter on the apron, uh, that run and drop kick over the table while Red was seated in the crowd. That was fucking ridiculous. 
Uh, he hits the Super Oz Cutter, followed by the Stormbreaker for the finish. Uh, another thing that was really interesting about this match was Will Ospreay working heel. He was just an <laughs> over-the-top heel yeah, man. in this match. It was great. He was sashaying around the ring and taunting the crowd and taunting Red. It was just, it was really funny seeing Will Ospreay work heel. It was like uh, he had to call over up, the top, you know? It's like he called up Dalton Castle and was like, hey, uh, how do you do it, you know? Because <laughs> there's a lot of sort of the same mannerisms between what Dalton Castle normally does. Yeah, yeah. Well, how was, Will was, was in cool. this match. It was really great. Yeah, I thought that was really, really fun. So, on to the news! In a new report, ODB's fucking food truck burnt down on 9-8. Apparently, she used to bring her food truck to indie shows all around the Midwest. We are sorry for her food truck. That's the, that's, that's the big news. ODB's food truck burnt. Not the fact that... You know, Impact is finally off that dead-end station somewhere in the middle of the Bermuda <laughs> Triangle. Not the fact that Anthem Sports Entertainment has bought Access TV. ODB's food truck burnt down. Damn it! And John Cena... How is, is she going to feed these people? That's the big news, and the fact that John Cena is now following the Session Moth Martina. Damn. That's the big news. John Cena is still not following me. He can't see me on Twitter, but he is following... Session Moth Martinez. So but you, but you can't to her. see him anyway. Oh, but also, uh, that's an interesting thing. Session Moth Martinez was recently signed to Ring of Honor. So mm. that's pretty cool. So that was a little thing I meant yeah. to. Yeah. I know she had a WWE tryout recently, yep. um, but maybe it didn't go her way. I love her on Twitter. Yeah. If you follow her on Twitter, she's great. She just, just is great. She's just fantastic. She um, was grinding Minoru Suzuki. She's like lap dancing Suzuki on Twitter. Oh my god. Yeah, she's kind of like this vulgar British chick, right? <laughs> like this over the top like British chick. <laughs> and she's just like grinding lap dancing Suzuki. And then there's like it's like she photobombs people. And then uh, like a couple days later, there's Jay White sitting there like all casual having a glass of wine. And then she like photobombs him and she's like ah, sticking her tongue out like the eat my pussy oh sign. Oh my god. Yeah, so her and Ring of Honor is really gonna kick up their women's division a lot. She's gonna bring a lot of eyes to that women's division. I don't want to say the Women of Honor division is, is struggling, but it's struggling. Well, to be quite it's honest, struggling. all of Ring of Honor right now is struggling. Yeah, Ring of Honor, we're going to get into Ring of Honor pretty big this week because uh, they ran their Global Wars tour this this week. But uh, yeah, like I said, the big news this week, Danny, was the um, the purchase of Access TV by Anthem Sports Entertainment. I know, man. The parent was... company of Impact Wrestling. I mean... You and I talked about this the other week. We talked about whether, I mean, like how New Japan was going to react to certain things. We talked about how um, Impact was uh, uh, doing their own thing. Uh, Ring of Honor seems to be in like limbo. And now all of a sudden, boom, Impact buys Axis Television. Yeah, it's pretty crazy. And um, what does this mean for New Japan? Which has been on Axis Television for a while now. Oh yeah, so it's the one of the flagship shows. Mm -hmm. It really is. Uh, Axis TV is the uh, American, you know, I mean, in a roundabout way, Axis TV airing New Japan Pro Wrestling is sort of responsible for the formation of AEW. Now you may think that's a bit of a stretch, but it really isn't that much of a stretch. Nope. Now the Bucks and Kenny Omega got themselves over. They really did. Being the elite really got them over, but they wouldn't have been able to be seen 
all their New Japan stuff wouldn't be able to be seen in America if it wasn't for Access TV. If it wasn't for Access TV. And then they would originally, originally when they first started airing New Japan, it was old stuff. Mm -hmm. They would air stuff from like two years ago, three mm -hmm. years ago. Like when I first started watching Access TV, it was probably 2015-ish around that time and they were airing stuff from like 2013. Okay. And then they started airing like, because uh, it was like the, the formation of the Bullet Club was the big thing on Access TV. Prince Devitt. Yeah. And um, then they got to like the AJ Styles era and the Okada coming in and everything and the big Okada Tanahashi feud. And um, before you know it, that show, the New Japan show on Axis, because it's in a good spot. It's on mm -hmm. Friday nights in prime time. Yep. And um, before you know it, they started doing like live shows. And in 2017, they ran the entire uh, U.S. title tournament live on Axis TV. It wasn't live on New Japan World. It was live on Axis TV. Um, this year's G1 special, live on Axis TV. Mm -hmm. um, the big tag match last year with uh, the Golden Lovers versus the Bucks, live on Axis TV. The big tag match last year with the Golden Lovers versus Okada and Ishii, live on Axis TV. So they've had a lot of very memorable, big, highly rated, highly critically acclaimed matches for New Japan on that station. So now, Anthem has a brand of their own in Impact. Yes. They have now access because of the the big deal that they had done with uh, that New Japan had made with Axis prior that they can't get out of that. So yeah, they now, still have a deal with Axis um according to the Observer until January of 2021. So so you got those couple of years and who's to say that they won't extend those? Who's to say that they won't maybe even come into an agreement now with New Japan and that leaves Ring of Honor in the dust. This is what I do know. Um, once upon a time, New Japan and Impact or TNA did have an agreement. Mm -hmm. They were on a how they would they would send their young young uh, young lions to TNA mm -hmm. for excursion. Famously, they did it with a guy named Kazushiko Okada. Yeah, they sent Okada to TNA and he was misused horribly. Oh god! They dressed him up like Kato. Yeah, dude. They you mean the dude from the Green Hornet? Yeah. <laughs> they dressed Okada, one of the greatest wrestlers in the world, up like Kato, and had him job out to, like, schlubs every week on TNA. That fucking sucks. Yes. And they were told not to do that because New Japan was going to make Okada. He was going to be their guy. He was going to be their guy, So, yeah. like, when we send him to America, let's not have him lose every week. Don't give him a shit gimmick and lose on TV every week. Well, they and did it they, just that. Yeah. That's under the Dixie Carter administration. This isn't under the Anthem era. This is back when uh, Impact was still TNA. It was owned by Dixie Carter. The the dark years of TNA, essentially. And I think that's why a lot of the fans didn't buy Okada at first. When Okada came back to Japan from Excursion, people were like, this is the guy that's challenging Tanahashi? This young boy that was jobbing in America? He's... And when he, he beat Tanahashi in a in a really good match, but people didn't buy it at first. It took a while for the Rainmaker to get over, uh -huh. but it got over, do, and he's do you, you know the, do best you in the world. A, uh, do you see a correlation, a pattern? Same thing happened with uh, Cody Rhodes. They didn't think, wow, this guy who was Stardust in the WWE, he didn't amount to anything, and now all of a sudden he's 
Yeah, the WWE had to, did sort of the same thing with Cody Rhodes. They said he's a mid-card guy. He'll never be a main eventer. Never be a champion. Never be the world champion. And Cody proved everybody wrong about everything. Not only is he a world champion, he started his own fucking promotion. Yep. That's already the number two promotion in the world. Speaking of uh, wrestlers, especially in regards to AEW... Uh, looks like that uh, our boy John Moxley is out of Bloodsport. Yeah, by the time this airs, the Bloodsport show I'm sure will be over. It's uh, it happens on the 14th of September, which as of this recording is tomorrow. We're recording on Friday the 13th. <laughs> oh, by the way, it's also a full moon tonight, so beware of the crazies. Yeah, so Moxley's still out. Um, I'm sure he'll be ready by the 2nd of October uh, in D.C. for the AEW TV on TNT. But uh, he's not working the Bloodsport show against Josh Barnett, which is very unfortunate because that is something I really, really wanted to see. Instead, uh, they've got Chris Dickinson in to uh, take on Barnett. And the Bloodsport show, for those who aren't familiar, um, I don't know if you've ever seen a Bloodsport show, but essentially it started as Matt Riddle's Bloodsport, and then mm -hmm. he got signed to NXT. So the guys at uh, Game Changer Wrestling, GCW, they approached Josh Barnett, and uh, Josh Barnett essentially said, well, you could put my name on it, but I'm working the show, I'm producing the show, I'm booking the show, and I'm picking all the talent for the show. Mm -hmm. And they were like, done. So it's Josh Barnett's Bloodsport. This is Josh Barnett's second go-around as Bloodsport. Last year, it was him versus Minoru Suzuki in the main event. And the cool thing about this, Danny, is they take the ropes down. There's no ropes. Really? You remember the movie Bloodsport? Yeah. In the Kumite? Oh my god. The ring god. looks like that. Oh, damn. It's not like pro it's pro wrestling. It's it's a work, but it's like it's you sort of like some people on the ropes no, with no Irish whips no, or nothing like it's that. It's like it's like the UWF back in Japan in the eighties. Not UWF mid south UWF with um uh, uh Bill Watts. I'm talking yeah. about like Tiger Masks and Takata's UWF in Japan. It's a work shoot. So it looks like MMA and fighting, but it's a work. A lot of submission, a lot of it's like it's like New Japan sort of. So it's a lot of submissions, a lot of heavy strikes, no closed fists, open hand slaps and chops and kicks and shit like that. Like elbows, but no yeah. fists. Yeah. It's really entertaining and there's no rope spots, no poles. <laughs> No, nothing. If you go off... So the, if you were into, like, the really hardcore technical type of wrestling, the real brutal fighting, and you're not really into, like, major spots, this is going to be the match for you, right? Oh, yeah. Everybody loves Bloodsport. It's it's a great show. I saw last year's Bloodsport, uh, and it was fantastic. i seen the first one, too, with Matt Riddle, actually. But I didn't see the whole thing. I only think i seen the Riddle's match. Mm -hmm. But I actually watched the whole first one with Josh Barnett. Because I'm a huge Barnett fan. And it, it's really good. And basically the rules are if you go out of the ring, which isn't a ring, it's like a, like a Kubite mat, you know, yeah. then you lose. And then you you, uh, you can get, you know, submit. And uh, I guess they have pinfalls. I can't remember if they have pinfalls or not, but I think mostly it's like tap out or knocked out of the ring essentially is how you win. Okay. But it's very interesting. I'll have to take a look at that at some point. Yeah, um, Killer Cross is working the show too. We're gonna get back to him lately in a little while too, because I got some news about Killer Cross yeah. as well. Um, but it, yeah, so another thing about um, yeah. the Anthem deal, I know I'm going on about that, but it's so big. Um, it, it's really important to pro wrestling. I don't want people to gloss over this because going back before it was Access TV, it was HDNet, and before Sinclair owned Ring of Honor, Jim Cornette, Dave Melcher, and a few others got the Ring of Honor show 
thank God for Kerry Silken because Ring of Honor was about to die. Ring of Honor was dying. Yeah. It was hemorrhaging money, and Kerry Silken was ready to shut the lights off because he was the owner at the time. Kerry Silken's ready to shut the lights off for Ring of Honor, and uh, Jim Cornette and I believe Gabe Sapolsky from Evolve. I don't think Adam Pierce was booking yet. I think Gabe Sapolsky was still booking, uh. and Jim Cornette was basically there to help. And they went to HDNet, and they got the show, Ring of Honor's show on HDNet, which later would become Access, Access TV. TV. And that gave Ring of Honor the life support shot in the arm it needed. Uh, it, it ended up getting canceled after one season, and not long after that, Sinclair bought it and everything. The rest is history. Yep. Uh, and then now they put Ring of Honor on the Sinclair stations. But Ring of Honor was originally on HDNet. Yep. Not only that, but also on Access TV on Friday nights uh, after New Japan is Friday Night Fights, which going back, God, years, Danny. I mean, going back years. I'm a, I'm a huge MMA fan for anybody yep. that doesn't know. Uh, I'm a diehard MMA guy. I like it just as much as pro wrestling. And, I mean, I've been watching Friday Night Fights because this was the only place you could see K1 kickboxing in America was Friday Night Fights. And back in, like, 2010 and 11, K1 kickboxing was the shit. Alistair Overeem from the UFC at this... Okay, at one point in time, Alistair Overeem... I won't go on a long MMA tangent here, but Alistair Overeem was the... It's a wrestling show, dude. He was the Dream Heavyweight Champion. Yeah. The Strike Force heavyweight champion, and he was the K1 Grand Prix heavyweight champion, which means it was like a G1 type tournament of kickboxing. Ooh. And Alistair Overeem was a heavyweight. He is a heavyweight, but he's all jacked up on steroids because this is no USADA, no UFC. So he's all jacked up on steroids. Oh my god! Killing everybody. They called him Uberim, and this is when I got into K1 big time. They had, um, you know, uh, uh, Mirko Krokop, Mark Hunt. Um, uh, Badahari, all kinds of guys from uh, K1. K1 was uh, is a Japanese kickboxing promotion, precursor to modern MMA, really. Um, Pride, the Pride Fighting Champions, all came from K1. And the reason I bring it up is because it would air on Friday Night Fights. And more recently, from like maybe 2016 to now, uh, they pretty much had to deal with uh, Legacy Fighting Championships, which is like a, a more regional MMA show, not as big as like a national or, or an international um, promotion like the UFC mm-hmm. or a national promotion like Bellator. So it's more of a regional MMA promotion. But the interesting thing is mm-hmm. they just bought the station a couple of days ago. Friday Night Fights is gone. Yep. It's gone. After all these years, they pretty much shut down that show. It's gone. So Friday Night Fights is gone. Um, the people that worked on it in that whole office gone the dallas office for access tv shut down um so they're saying they're not gonna uh fire executives the executive producer of the new japan show fired the lawyer that worked on the new japan show he's fired and this is all within a couple days so we will see what happens i don't know if new japan how they're going to feel about working with impact because i know that's what impact is going to want that's the only logical step is to work with new japan Right now, they're working with Noah. Yeah. As a matter of fact, Marifuji's working the next pay-per-view for Impact. But I know they would love to have a working relationship with uh, New Japan, especially because Ring of Honor's hurting so bad right now. Maybe New Japan will be open to it. I mean, it. hell, people from New Japan are insulting Ring of Honor. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah exactly. Tatanga, right. Maybe New Japan's open to it now because the Carter administration is no longer there and... 
you know, Don Callis sort of works with New Japan. He's a he sometimes does color with Kevin Kelly. Yeah, um, and he's, he's probably a, a much more friendlier uh, ally than Dixie Carter. I would was. imagine so. You know, plus he's like the lead booker. You know, he he's like the producer of the Impact show. He's like yeah. the guy, and he's like the main guy. Yeah, you know, and and, and for those who you know, your old uh, your old wrestling head, so to speak, Don Callis. If you don't remember who he is. Go back to those glory days of ECW. Oh, when yeah. He was playing uh, uh, with Cyrus. Cyrus the Virus. Yeah. <laughs> he was great. He was great as Cyrus. And, and you know, he's, he's, he's even more incredible as himself, of course, but you you got uh, you got someone with that type of pedigree. He's almost as good as Bobby Brahina was on commentary. Yep. He's a great heel commentator. Mm-hmm. He's the best heel commentator going today, I believe. Yeah, and... I, I hear a couple every once in a while, especially in regards to like WWE's heel commentators and things like that. Please don't say Corey Graves. He's horrible. Oh, I fucking oh jeez. Uh, yeah, <laughs> he's mm. horrible. Mm. Mm. I didn't mention his name. You did, mm. <laughs> but you knew exactly who I was talking about. Mm. But he's uh, better than Michael Cole. Yeah, he's um, not as good as Nigel McGuinness, but he's uh, he's better than Michael Cole. Yeah, we'll we'll we'll, we'll go with that. Um, any more news we have? Um, oh, well, yeah, like I said, this is a huge week. Um, another thing going on this week that, uh, pretty much hit me because I'm such a Japanese wrestling fan was, uh, that what came out about Tenru the other day. Um, for those who don't know, Tenru is a star, man. He's a Japanese wrestling legend going back to the, uh, the seventies. He was a sumo star originally, a really well-known sumo star, um, after he ended his sumo career due to um, a disagreement with his, uh, we'll say, I don't know what the term would be for, I guess we'll say coaches or his stable or his trainers. Mm-hmm. There was a disagreement and he ended his sumo career essentially. And he was recruited by Giant Baba and uh, in All Japan Pro Wrestling. And he was sent, much like Jumbo Saruta, to Amarillo to learn from the Funks. And so, if if you, you're like, wait a minute, the Funks? You'd be surprised how many people have gone to Terry, to Dory, and 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 gotten trained to do the proper way of acting and 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 being professional as professional wrestlers. I can name a couple. Uh, Stan Hansen, yeah. trained by the Funks. Bruiser Brody, trained by the Funks. Jumbo Saruta, trained by the Funks. Harley Race, trained by the Funks. Mm-hmm. Well, Dory Senior, but Dory still Senior. Yeah. trained by the Funks. Because Dory Senior trained Dory Junior and Terry, so yep. yeah, and then you you know and that and then you have Tenru trained by the Funks. trained by the Funk. So he goes back to Japan, and he's pretty much put with uh, Jumbo, and they are the top you know ba- Japanese stars of the promotion. I caught a glimpse of this tag match with them in there, and I was really impressed. Yeah, Jumbo uh, Tenru was a star. He was a real big star. He feuded with Ricky Choshu. Um, while, while he was a babyface, and then um, when Choshu jumped back to New Japan after Bruiser Brody was murdered, uh, they were kind of struggling for heels. So Tenru turned on Saruta, and this would have been in 1989. And um, 1989, of course, is known for the Flair and Steamboat trilogy. But another trilogy in Japan was the Jumbo Saruta Tenru trilogy. They they fought in April and uh, June, and then in December, and they also were on opposing teams that year in the tag league. And uh, I do believe, if memory serves me correctly, that that one match of the year in the Observer for 89 or 90, it's definitely a five-star match. Mm-hmm. The uh, the June 8th, 1989 show with Jumbo Suda and Tenru, 
it's on my YouTube page. Um, but it's you can just Google it on YouTube, put it on YouTube. You can find it pretty easy. It's, it's definitely worth watching. It's a fantastic match. Tenru uh, ended up leaving All Japan, and um, he was, uh, I can't remember the guy's name, but there was a, a very wealthy Japanese businessman that wanted to start a wrestling promotion, and he wanted to build it around Tenru. Well, it failed miserably. And uh, instead of Tenru going back to All Japan or going to New Japan, he started the war promotion, and that got... In the 90s, man, war was good. That was a good promotion. That's where Chris Jericho came from and uh-huh. Lance Storm. They came from the war promotion. They hosted the J-Cup. Um, Hayabusa, who worked with FMW, he also came from the war promotion. Um, so Tenru's war promotion was very well respected. And he was such a star, he would do shots with All Japan still in the 90s and 2000s. And he headlined the Tokyo Dome for New Japan um, he was an IWGP champion, a triple crown champion for All Japan. He um, even went, I think it was um, 2001, he was 50-some years old. He had a match in the main event of the Tokyo Dome. I watched it today against uh, Keiji Muto. Fantastic match. Really good. And both guys are old. Great Muto is old at this point. You know, it's yeah. 2001. He's in his 40s. Tenru is 53 at this point. And he wrestled until he was 65. Anyway, I'm talking all this stuff about Tenru. What happened was... He had what is called a cerebellar, a cerebellar, shit, cerebellar infarction, which is a, a really nasty stroke due to the lack of oxygen to the brain. Um, he has a, a bad, a bad neck and bad spine from years of being an athlete, sumo wrestling mm-hmm. and pro wrestling, and he had a real bad stroke, and apparently the survival rate of the stroke is really low. It's like. Only 23% of people that have this type of stroke mm-hmm. survive. Fortunately for Tenru and his family and fans, Tenru has survived. Um, he's not getting around very well. He, he lost a lot of mobility, but he's still alive. Well, he's that, okay. That's to be expected, considering the fact that what a stroke does to you in the first place. Well, look at other guys that had strokes. I mean, Bret Hart took a really bad... Had that head kick from Goldberg mm-hmm. famously. And that pretty much uh, was a domino effect that gave him a stroke, and that pretty much ended Brett's career. Yeah, it did absolutely. So um, Takiyama in Japan, who did um, MMA and uh, you know pro wrestling, he was IWGP champion, another uh, triple crown champion, uh, GHC champion, and Noah. He uh, well, he's paralyzed from the waist down, uh, from the neck down. He's He's a quadriplegic now, but that's not because of the stroke. He had a stroke years before, mm. but he took a bad suplex, and um, much like Masawa before him, uh, Masawa didn't survive. Takayama survived, but he's definitely a, a quadriplegic. A Japanese strong style, man. It, it's tough. It, it's tough. Yeah. It's definitely fucking tough. We at the Chop Shop uh, continue to, uh, our thoughts, uh, good feelings to Tenru. Um... WWF fans might remember Tenru because he was in the 1991 Royal Rumble. Really? Yes. If you watch it, you can go back and watch it. There's some uh, All Japan guys. Tenru actually worked WrestleMania 7 that year, too. The Hogan Slaughter WrestleMania? Yeah. There was a match with uh, Tenru. I don't remember who he worked against, but Tenru's in, in WrestleMania say, 7. I, I don't remember that. Yeah. But, yeah, that's Randy pretty- Savage that year. Because that's the year he was still a Macho King, and he uh, did the match with Warrior that year, mm-hmm. WrestleMania 7. Yeah, that was the uh, uh, 
winner um, and like loser has to retire match. Right, and then Elizabeth came back and Randy turned babyface. Yeah, and, and he got back with Elizabeth. Well, prior to that, Randy Savage was doing spots in all Japan, and he was working with Tenru. They had a the WWF still had a pretty good relationship with them because uh, Andre, who passed away that year um, in '89 and '90, Andre was still going to all Japan and working with Baba, and um, yeah. Tenru uh, was at the Royal Rumble in WrestleMania 7, and uh, yeah, pretty interesting. That's pretty freaking cool. Yeah. He seemed like he had a pretty good time. He had a big smile on his face. I remember very vividly as a kid, like, watching it, like, who's that guy? You know? <laughs> who's that fucking guy? Well, I came here, I came this here, Japanese guy so happy about? I came here to see Hulk Hogan and, 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 and the Sergeant Slaughter. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, that's that's Tenru. If you don't know Tenru, go out of your way and watch some of the stuff. And he, there's a plethora of Tenru stuff on YouTube. I recommend um, finding... Whew, what's a good Tenru match, man? Besides the hit, the match with him, for him versus Jumbo. One of my favorites is Jumbo and Tenru against Brody and Hanson. And then Jumbo and Tenru against uh, Hanson and Ted DiBiase is a good one, too. Mm. That would be from the All Japan Tag Leagues in the mid-80s, 87, 88, 89-ish time frame. We got we to gotta do, do a chop shop on Brody one day. We definitely need to do a chop shop on Brody one day. I, uh, Bruiser Brody is one of my favorites. And it's a shame of what happened to him. My God, it's a shame what happened to him. Yeah. So, um... I it's guess uh, fucked up. Yeah, I mean, like, people would probably put this on. I wouldn't say put it on the same uh, plateau as say what happened with Benoit, but it was pretty freaking conspiratorial, if you ask me. What made it worse is because we won't get into it too much. But what made yeah. it real bad is because is um the it seemed that like Carlos Colon and. The whole WWC promotion in Puerto Rico covered it up and just buried it. And they made uh, Jose Gonzalez out to be a hero. Basically, the story they told the police was a fan stabbed Brody. And Jose Gonzalez, like, stopped the fan. Invader number one, no. Gonzalez killed Bruiser Brody yeah. in the locker room. Yep. Tony Atlas saw it. Dutch Tony Mantel Atlas saw it. Yep. Carlos Colon was there. All these guys were there. It's all over YouTube. You can see lots of great interviews and stuff. Dark Side of the Ring did a special about yeah, it. Yeah. And, and High Spots has the whole Brody documentary up. Yeah. So there's plenty of stuff out there if you want to learn about the uh, tragedy of Bruiser Brody. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you, it's uh, especially listening to Tony Atlas's testimony, very, very, um, I wouldn't say tear-jerking, but very emotional. It's very emotional. Very Absolutely. Emotional. It's definitely emotional. Um, on a lighter note... Um, what else has happened in the world of wrestling this week? Oh no, there's my other chop shop partner, Mr. Cricket. Danny, talk to the fans for a second. I have oh to go my kill God. somebody. Kill this bastard. Get him. So Mr. Cricket has decided that he wanted to join into the chop shop again. And Luke's got a knife. He stabs it! Oh my God, he stabbed the darn thing! <laughs> I, would have, I would have Duel the Butcher in this cricket. Oh my God, he stabbed it, folks. <laughs> <laughs> if PETA wants to, uh, you know, write to the chop shop, you can write us at, uh, what is it, 1050 West Addison in Chicago. Because <laughs> we're not, we're not in Kansas anymore, baby. But, uh, yeah, um, yeah, we, it, the, the chop shop, yeah, we have knives, apparently. <laughs> yeah, we have knives down here, that's what we do. Because it's the chop shop. <laughs> 
Yeah, okay. we, we chop shit up. It's not just about chops like like hard Land chops. chops. Yeah, it's not like Tomiri she chops and Walter chops. We got fucking shit going on down here. Yeah, man. Okay, back to this. <laughs> back to wrestling. Um, another big thing this week. Um, haven't been getting a lot of play lately. Is Ring of Honor. Yep. Um, so Ring of Honor, they uh, ran their Global Wars show this week, and the interesting thing was, uh, for a long time Ring of Honor fans, they know that this is an annual thing. They've been doing this since 2014, since the New Japan Partnership first started. Yep. But what makes this interesting, Mr. Daniel, is that New Japan isn't part of Global Wars this Not year. Not this year, no. Now, I don't know why that is. I can't find a reason why. Um, it's not really out there why you want me to take an educated guess? Please take an educated guess. It's because Ring of Honor ain't upholding the end of the deal. And New Japan's tired of carrying their ass, to be quite honest. Yeah, when you see New Japan take David Finley back, that's when I think... Because David Finley is their last, like, young line that's on the excursion, you know? He's yep. got, you know, a gimmick now and music and a costume and everything. And David Finley is really kind of, like, filled out and he's coming into his own. And I think once it's time for him to go back to Japan, you may not see Ring of Honor and New Japan work too closely anymore. And uh, that might be to other companies' gains. Very well could be. Everybody wants to see New Japan and AEW. Yeah. That's that's the money right there. Even though New so Japan... So much is, money. That's Even though Impact might be more logical, especially now, but what everyone wants and what needs to happen, especially look at Jericho, mm -hmm. Moxley, Omega, The Bucks, Cody, Hangman, all these guys work New Japan for a long time. Mm -hmm. Come on. We need to see Okada Omega again. We need to see this shit. We need to see Jericho. We need, we need to, to see Okada I want to see Jericho and Tanahashi. Okada, yeah, there's, Jericho. There's so many matches out there still. Imagine imagine um, maybe the G.O.D. going up against like Jungle Boy and Luchasaurus. Right. Or something like that. I mean, like... you. you you start to see that a lot of these different like tag teams. If you're sitting there, especially the Bucks, when they specifically state we want to have the best tag team division in the world, how do you not deny that? Yeah, you can't. You can't deny that New Japan has a lot of good tag teams. New well, Japan they get, has I mean, a lot of good. At one point, in yeah, they do. They have, their tag team division is a little is kind of hurting right now. I think. I mean, except for the Grills of Destiny. They, them losing David Boy Smith, now Lance Archer is a single, you know, so the Killer Lee squad's gone. Yeah. Um, who, what's a big tag team in New Japan right now? Other than, um... I guess, I mean, right now, the, the team that's feuding with uh, Girls of Destiny is Tomohiro Ishii and Yoshihashi. Yeah. Uh, but there's no real tag teams in New Japan right now. And you know what? They need some AEW tag teams. AEW can give that an extra Yeah, boost. they've got a plethora of tag teams yes. over there. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. I don't know what the hell New Japan's going to do this year for World Tag League. Because they have like no tag teams. Exactly. I, I mean, mean, they the can, Bucks like, are gone. The they Bucks can put some already, people together. You know, yeah. But uh, it, it, realistically, Bad Luck Fale and Yujiro Takahashi, the Tokyo Pimp, that ain't that ain't a good. That tag ain't team. a fucking money tag team. No. Or Chase Owens, either one. Yeah. It's, yes, it's I, just I'm not. still a part of the Chase Owens. What the hell have you done? Dude, they're your... bringing the Rock and Roll Express in. They're like 113. I love the Rock and Roll Express. Don't get me twisted. Don't but, get it twisted. I love Ricky and Robert. Yeah. I love Ricky and Robert. Always have. But 
They did good with the Briscoes. And this is a big but. <laughs> but they're elder statesmen. They're not who they were. 30 years ago. I'm not, I'm not even going to say 86. They're not who they were in like 96 when they yeah. were doing Smoky Mountain and when they came into the WWF. They're not even that. What they, but they sure as fuck weren't what they were in like Mid-South and Jim Crockett promotions. Those days are long past. These guys are like fucking 60 years old Well, now. they're long in the tooth. And honest to God, there's a lot of tag teams that are still going around because they can't afford to not do it. I, yeah. And like Demolition's one of them. They still wrestle. Demolition was seasoned when we were kids. Now imagine how old they are and still doing their shit now. I know Bill Edia, the mass superstar, was around for decades he's before he was at. He's still wrestling. He's still wrestling at That's his age. Scary. And, and 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 Isn't Barry Darso like isn't he like hurt? Well he's hurt, but he's been wrestling injured. He's been doing all lots of different um wow. things anyway, because honest to God. You know, WWE ain't looking to put him in the Hall of Fame anytime soon, well, no, which is a they travesty. Have, they have that too. lawsuit against the mm-hmm. WWE, yeah. Because of all the injuries and stuff. And, and they think, right. as long as that's running, you'll never see demolition in there. That's you'll never, a shame. And, and the New Day broke their record to uh, crickets in the crowd because, to be quite honest... Uh, no one knew who Demolition was. Yeah, they 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 have erased a very good tag team's uh, whole entire legacy away, like it was nothing. Um, Don't worry, they're gonna do that with CM Punk too, mm-hmm. or they already did. But I think Lesnar broke CM Punk's record but already. Lesnar's basically a part timer anyway. Yeah, but that's their thing. WWE has always rewritten history. Yeah, they 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 make up history and they rewrite history to their mm-hmm. own benefit you can't get any uh really good matches anymore especially uh with they don't them. acknowledge the true history of pro wrestling they yeah. only acknowledge what Vince McMahon's history of sports entertainment is yeah. not the real history of pro wrestling so what did uh let's let's get back to uh, ring of honors yes yeah, um, so the int- like back yeah i got way sidetracked and the interesting <laughs> thing about this was they weren't working with uh, new japan they were working with cmll um, nothing against cmm uh, nothing against cmll but they don't have that much of a fan base here. No, not in, not in the United States, no. Hardcore fans, like myself, knows who some of these guys are. But there's some of these guys I don't know. Like, I've Car- never heard a lot of them. Caristico, I know him. Roosh, I know him. Um, Voldor Jr., I know him. Pero Aguayo, I know him. Ultimo Guerrero, I know him. But there's a whole bunch of guys I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, so... And I, I'm a pretty... I, I would consider myself a pretty hardcore fucking fan. Um, I mean, we're doing this show, obviously, as a yeah. hardcore fan. <laughs> so, they ran uh, three shows this week. I was able to see two of them. Uh, the first show was in Dearborn, Michigan. The second show was in a suburb of Chicago. So, the uh, first show, I mean, yeah, what was it called? Villa Park, Illinois, which is a suburb of Chicago. Um, the first show in Dearborn, uh, the matches that were notable... To me, were uh, the Roosh and the Triton match. Um, Roosh is being groomed. I don't know if he's going to take the title from Taven, but Roosh hasn't lost in Ring of Honor. His like first match in Ring of Honor, he mm-hmm. destroyed Dalton Castle in like sixteen seconds. Wow. The G1, yeah, the G1 Supercard at Madison Square Garden, New Japan. Roosh just came in, 
hit the Shibata drop kick in the corner, and that's his finisher. And he mm-hmm. pinned Dalton Castle in like 20 seconds. Uh, this was another really short match. It was it was really big, high spotty, action packed match. It ended real quick though. It was only like two minutes long. Mm-hmm. Um, Kenny King, who I you know whatever, Kenny King defeated uh, Jeff Cobb and that Hot sucks. Sauce Tracy Williams. He earned a TV title shot, mm. and uh, Shane Taylor, the TV champion, very underrated wrestler, big fan of Shane Taylor. He was doing a commentary during the match. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jay Lethal and Jonathan Gresham took on <laughs> Dalton Cathal and Joe Henry. The guy who sang our intro music. If you haven't heard Oscar. Joe Henry's Ring of Honor theme song yet, it's not out there, but goddamn, do it's yourself hilarious. a favor and find it. Just find anything he sings because he's great. It's it's comedic gold. It's it's great. I believe in Joe Hendry. <laughs> but wave so, your hands from side to side. Oh my god! And they, everybody so in the crowd is waving their hands like a bunch of idiots. It's great. And then in this match, him and Dalton Castle, they are hilarious together. He did a new theme song, and it's basically like Joe Hendry and friends, and like it's Joe Hendry with this like Dalton Castle mask on for like their entry video package, and he's like pretending like he's. And a you peacock. can tell looking at Dalton Castle like Jesus Christ. Yeah, he, yeah, it dude. is. It was so funny. And they uh, they had all these mistimed moments in the match. It was basically a comedy comedy spot in the match. But it's uh, funny. It was funny as hell. I mean, like if you can't get if you don't feel as though you can get a good match in regards to like you know talent and things like well, that. Well, it was my humor is pretty good. Yeah, it was a comedy match, but they had four really talented wrestlers. Yeah. Gresham is fucking great. DJ Lethal speaks for itself. Obviously, you know, being black machismo. Yeah, oh, Dalton Castle is great. It. I love Easton Dalton Castle and Joe Henry is great too. Mm-hmm. Um, but the big story in this match is they it was a, they they started the uh, subtle heel turn for Gresham, which would happen uh, officially two days later. Um, so Gresham and Lethal, at this point, hadn't been getting along. They go over in this match though. Uh, the next match was one of the best better matches of the night. This was Vinyl Enterprises, and they took on the CML team of uh, Cavernario, uh, Ray Bucanero, Hacherio, and Okamura. And so, um, these I, are like the four dastardly heels of CMLL. Yeah. So here's my question. Was was Flip Gordon a part of Flip Better? I mean, yeah, really it was a four on four. It was eight-man tag okay. match. Because if you look on uh, VETV, which is Villain Enterprises TV, obviously they're trying to bite off of you know being the elite, you can tell that they fired Flip Gordon for eating a well-done steak. Obviously, <laughs> that's retarded shit. But, <laughs> I mean, me, I used to eat well-done steaks all the time. I learned that if you have a little bit of pink at least in there, it tastes a little better. Yes, I can't. I does. still can't do like a raw steak, or I can't do medium rare. But, to fire a dude from your stable because he eats dark steak. <laughs> well, they must have brought him back for the match, because Flip worked the match... It was a good match. It was uh, one of the stronger matches yeah. in the show, uh, which made it cool was because this was like the four biggest heels in CMLL against the four top heels, basically, in Ring of Honor, mm-hmm. essentially. But what happened? Okay, well, well, we'll get back into the... Because I have some questions to ask later on, and it's going to be in revolved around a villain enterprise. All right. But, yeah. And then uh, the next match was a tag match. It was uh, Voldor Jr. 
and the great Stuka Jr. against uh, Matt Taven and Vincent Marseglia. Vincent, don't call him Vinny Marseglia. This was a really good match, which set up the next night's match with Volador Jr. and Matt Taven. And uh, any fan of uh, CML will know that Taven and Volador Jr. Uh, basically are in a blood feud with each other in Mexico. Uh, Taven is like a super heel in Mexico. Uh -huh. And um, he came down there last year, last year's CML, CMLL anniversary show, and him and Voldor Jr. teamed up against Roosh and... I can't remember who. It might have been Roosh and Dragon Lee, but don't quote me on that. Roosh and Dragon Lee are brothers, by the way. Uh -huh. But anyway, Matt Taven cost... And it was a hair, it was a hair versus hair match, essentially. And... Uh, Taven and Voldor Jr. were a team, and Taven turned on Voldor Jr. during the match, and they both got their heads shaved. Ugh. That's why Taven's got that real short mohawk now, and that's why Voldor Jr. is bald now, too. Because, uh, because of that match. Yeah, yeah. And the match of the night was the main event, which was uh, Bandito taking on Jay Lethal. You mean Jay I mean, Briscoe? Shit, Jay Briscoe, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah, it was Too Jay many Jays, man! This match is fantastic. This is one of the first matches I've seen Jay Briscoe have as a single in a while. I love this match. Bandito's a star. Uh, I don't see him getting over as well as he could in Ring of Honor. He's really, really good. He's one of those rare luchadors, similar to Roosh, that he's so goddamn strong, he can do super powerhouse moves like Jeff Cobb can do, but he can also fly around the ring like a luchador. Yeah. So he's a very rare talent. His his The language barrier might hold him back, but... He's fucking great, and real wrestling fans appreciate that. Yeah, so man. that was cool. Alex Shelley came out too and cut a promo uh, before the main event, and Gresham came out uh, because Gresham's sort of a protege for Alex Shelley. This is in Michigan, mm -hmm. Motor City Machine Guns. I, you know what? That's a tag team I miss because I used to love the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, and um, and, and Alex Shelley, and, and uh, like what happened. I know Saban was working Ring of Honor Saban, last year. Yes, uh, he, he was in the super uh, best Super Juniors in 2018, but I haven't seen him at all this year. I don't know if Saban's hurt or what. I think I'll find out. I, yeah, because I tell you, they were very well together. Oh, and they're they're pioneers. Mm -hmm. They they got shit. They got the Bucks started. Yep, the Young Bucks patterned so much of their uh, style and repertoire from the Motor City Machine Guns. Yeah, I mean, they're fucking great. Mm -hmm. it, without a doubt, man. It's and Alex Shelley can still go. I know he, you know, quote-unquote retired uh, like a year or so ago, but he's back now. He just worked a really solid match with Matt Taven in Ring of Honor mm -hmm. um, at, the, at their last big show. What caused him to retire in the first place? I don't know why he hung up the boots, but he did. He hung up the boots, and uh, Saban basically was, you know, came back and started working in New Japan, um, without Alex Shelley, and hopefully they can reunite if Chris Saban's not hurt and he can, you know, wrestle again. Hopefully yeah, they can, uh, you know, he can come back. Yeah, definitely. So, uh, what do we got? The next, uh, next night? Yeah, I'll go Chicago? through the real quickly, the, yep. Ch the Chicago card, too. I watched that one. The, the interesting about this, Danny, is, yeah. uh, did you check out the first match there? Woo-wee! Yeah! Austin Gunn against Dante Caballero. Dante Austin Caballero. Gunn, in case you're wondering, is the son of the badass, the one, Billy Gunn. Yep. And... Mr. Ass. Dante Caballero is MCW champion. 
here in Baltimore. Yeah. And because they're working with Ring of Honor as a, um, a Future of Honor prospect, Dante Caballero is now working with them. Yeah, a couple of uh, MCW guys. Uh, uh, guy Ken Dixon, he's mm-hmm. been working with Ring of Honor, and Dante Caballero is working with Ring of Honor. Joe it's, Keys. Joe Keys. It sucks, you know, all those years of Bruiser. You know, he's working MCW, and now he the whole cancer leukemia issue. Yeah. That's very um, unfortunate. It was it was it was a shock to hear about. The, I'm not. I wasn't a Bruiser fan. Um, honest to God, I go to MCW events, and I would boo the Bruiser. Um, yeah, he but, was in a few with uh, Sean Studd, and that was the, my main man, Sean Studd. He's the son of Big John Studd. Yep. And um, so what happened was, you know, I I, I gravitated heavily towards. Uh, him, uh, and uh, I loved the Guns for Hire, which was uh, uh, Bill Collier and Paul Jordan. Yes, sir. And now Paul Jordan is heavyweight champion in the New uh, New England Territory up north. Yeah. And uh, he's doing some really good stuff. I'm not entirely sure what's going on with Bill Collier, but I tell you... It, and Sean Studd's down with Booker T mm-hmm. in Houston at the uh, Reality of Wrestling uh, promotion. Yep. So he's down there learning... Learning how to get, you know, to get further into... Yeah, the, yeah, the working under Booker T is good for him. It got Ember Moon into the WWE, so, you yeah. know, it, maybe, you know, Sean Studd's already got the family name. Yeah, already got This it. is definitely good for him. Yeah. So... The Bruiser comes out, uh, I think it was about four or five months ago. Yeah. And he comes out stating, and this is uh, was kind of peculiar because this was happening during the whole Roman Reigns thing. And I was like, wait a minute, two, leukemia, uh, two things with leukemia, uh, and then Roman Reigns came back. We still haven't heard anything major about like the Bruiser's return yet, but he, he says he's got leukemia. He, he's going through treatment. Um... When a whole entire uh, promotion is sort of built around your dude, and he all of a sudden says that he can't do it anymore due to a debilitating illness, that's a hardcore thing to deal with. And uh, they had to, they had to, they had to like uh, build up some more stars. Yeah. Besides Bruiser. Yeah. So, and, and all of a sudden now Dante Caballero is doing his thing. Uh, Joe Keys is starting to get popular. My my other favorite was Greg Excellent. I love Greg Excellent. He's he's the man. Uh, what they call him the gravy? Tra- what was, was it the gravy train yeah. on the biscuit wheels or something? There's a couple other guys, notable MCW people that have made it pretty big. Um, guy by the name of Leo Rush. Yep, Leo Rush. Him. Oh, I used to me and him. Uh, me and you had uh, seen a lot of his matches. Sure, uh, Patrick Clark, better known these days as the Velveteen Dream. Yep. in NXT, he's from uh, he's this from- promotion too. And another guy got to start here um, doing big things in AEW. Uh, he was known as Maxwell Jacob Feinstein here, but he is now, now he is Maxwell Jacob Friedman, the salt of the earth, the great MJF. Yeah, man, MJF wrestled down here. Yeah, and we were better off seeing him. Yeah, it was cool. We seeing saw MJF. Flip Gordon in his early. Yeah, uh, in absolutely. Her, I mean, it was like uh, not to like reminisce about uh, like all the people we've seen in MCW. That's that's besides the point. It's a cool little local but promotion. But it's a very man. good it's, local it's very promotion. Cool, yeah. Very cool promotion. Yeah, so um in the Chicago show it was uh what else happened that night? Um Shane Taylor and the awesome Joe, Joe Henry, Henry 
They went to a 15-minute time limit draw. Uh, Joe Henry earned himself a TV title match because he went to a draw with the TV well, champ. there you go. The weird thing about that match was the time cues. There were none. At no all? time cues at all. So the match just ended. So you think maybe that was just an excuse that they put out? No, I think they meant to be like, there are five minutes remaining or however. You know, they're supposed to let yeah. the audience know. And that they, 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 they didn't. They all they of a sudden, it. like, they were doing the... Uh, you know, they, they're exchanging pinfalls, and then Shane Taylor got close to his finisher, hit his finisher. One, two, ding, 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 ding. And no one knew what was going on. It was it was like the intro to Monster Squad. They yeah. yeah they, they, they... <laughs> Phoebe the Phoebe. Phoebe the Phoebe. <laughs> My name is Horace. Oh, fucking Horace. <laughs> Jesus. I'm sorry. If I had that to kid from Stand By Me grew up to be Jerry O'Connell, right? Is that his name? Yeah, Jerry O'Connell. Jerry O'Connell, yeah. The fat kid from fucking Monster Squad. He died, actually. <laughs> Did he? Yeah, he died. Oh, shit. I was going to say something fucked up. Debilitating illness. Did he really? Yep. He oh, died fuck. leukemia. Oh, shit. So you were about to bad mouth. I was going to shell over a horse. I'm glad you said I I actually wrote a sequel to that movie. And I made Horace... <laughs> you did, didn't you? That's right. I made a, Horace a badass. <laughs> Horace learned Taekwondo. No, he, he's a werewolf. He was a young lion. A young wolf. A young wolf. <laughs> I'll tell you. It's... Uh, I, one time I might ever release that. A lot of people liked it. Somebody should have wrote a sequel to Monster Squad. Apparently they're doing a sequel to Goonies after like 35 Finally. years. Finally. It's taken like, yeah, Sean Austin's like 50 now. Sean Austin, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, you know his dad actually works in Baltimore? I did not know that. He's a professor at Johns Hopkins. This shit. I am not joking you. Did you know I used to work at Johns Hopkins? John, yeah. <laughs> so I'm surprised you never ran across John Aston. I was busy being a bitch boy. Oh, dear God. But back to what we were back talking about. Obvi honor. See, obviously because we're going through this in, a, in a, a, a casual capacity, it really didn't show too much of anything of what the show was because we keep diverting. <laughs> really, there was only two really good matches of this show that I really liked. Mm -hmm. um, the uh, Jeff Cobb. Jay Lethal, Jonathan Gresham match where they took on Caristico, Stuka Jr., and Triton. Mm -hmm. That was the best match of the show. Um, it was really, really solid. Uh, Gresham was leaning heel tendencies in this match, too. He officially turned heel the next night. I did not see that show, but he, he did turn on Jay Lethal the next night, Man. which set up their match for the next pay-per-view. Um, Marty Skrull and uh, Dalton Castle... That's a very odd pair. And Kenny King and Cole Cabana were in a four-way for a uh, number one contender spot for the world title. Mm -hmm. And Cole Cabana ended up winning that match. So Cole Cabana defeated... Cole, Cole Cabana! Uh, Cole Cabana defeated Marty Skrull, Dalton Castle, and Kenny King. And the main event had uh, Matt Taven defeating Boldor Jr. Mm -hmm. for the uh, ROH title. All right. Yes. So that's pretty much all the ROH news. They did announce some matches for their uh, Death Before Dishonor show. Um, I'll get to them real quick. Actually, you can uh, read some of these. Yeah, off I will. Me. Yep. So uh, the um, it looks like um, there's going to be a tournament for at Final Battle for the title shot. Where's Final Battle going to be at, Danny? Baltimore. How about that? Another pay per view going to be in Baltimore. Mm -hmm. So we got a uh, Martis Girl against uh, Cole Cabana. PCO. 
against uh, Kenny King. Lethal versus Gresham, obviously, because we just talked about that. Yep, Gresham's a heel now. Yep. Uh, the women's uh, Women of Honor title. Yep. Uh, Kelly Klein, who's the champion, is going to be taking on a, a former beautiful person, uh, Angelina Love. She's not beautiful no more. <laughs> She's a former beautiful person. She's a four. <laughs> so what would we call that in a different way? Well, they're called the Allure, which, honest to God, I'm like, you just go get... <sighs> Never mind. It's It gets stupid. Uh, the TV title, you got uh, Shane Taylor. Who's going to be? Uh, who's the champion? Yeah, he's going to be in a three-way uh, dance with uh, Tracy Williams and uh, Flip Gordon, the Mercenary and Hot Sauce. Yeah, why is he called Hot Sauce? Hot Sauce Tracy Williams. I don't know. Okay, well, if he doesn't know, the world may never know. <laughs> uh, the tag I team know titles. I Drew Gulak. Okay, I do know that. Okay. All right, so the tag tag titles. Uh, the Briscoes. Um, who are the champions are going up against Bandito and Mark Haskins, who collectively together are lifeblood. Uh, the world title champion, Matt Taven, is going against Roosh. Yeah, I doubt Taven's going to drop the belt to Roosh here. Nah. If Taven's going to drop the belt, I, I guess it'll be a final battle, I would assume so, but mm -hmm. it's very possible he could drop the belt to Roosh here. Roosh has been groomed to be a star since he yep. first came in, so... I don't know. So, um, some other interesting facts that uh, that have uh, came up in regards to Ring of Honor. PCO, his uh, one-year contract is literally expiring soon. He hasn't signed a new uh, deal. That's right, yes. His future is basically unclear. Yeah, yeah. Apparently, from what I've been hearing, uh, PCO has not re-signed with ROH. And uh, Marty Skrull ain't too far behind. He is definitely not far behind. Yep. His contract's coming up very, very soon, too. And uh, you already brought up that Session Moth Martina was coming into ROH before. She's being followed by John Cena, so congrats to her. John Cena's going to Ring of Honor? No, he's following Session Moth Martino on Twitter. It was oh. a big thing on Twitter. Yeah. Oh, I thought he was literally following her in the Ring of Honor. I was like, wow, John Cena's really brought in her horizons. So. No, but he's, uh, he's he followed... Um, uh, <laughs> yeah. I was trying to think of his name. Oh, it's Will Smith. He followed Will Smith into Suicide Squad, apparently. Oh, uh, where you go? Yeah. So, uh, ready, uh, what we got? Uh... So, last week, we put out that we were going to uh, field some questions from people. We and are I officially... honestly wasn't expecting to even get any questions from people, but I actually got, like, almost ten questions from people. And that's pretty awesome. Yes. I mean, maybe we could save a couple for next week. Yeah, I had to like cut three of them out because they were absolutely ridiculous. They people. were like ridiculous, ridiculous. Questions. They were bad questions. I won't even dignify them in the chop shop. But they were bad questions. We like to call this the chop shop mailbox. Chop shop mailbox. That's right. So, uh, what's the first question? What we got here? Okay, so the first question. This question is from a guy named Clinton. Yeah. Uh, this was sent to me on Twitter. Where's he from? He's from New York. He's from Queens area. He's, in He's from New a York. suburb of Queens. Um, he must not watch a lot of wrestling because he asked me, "Whatever happened to the Dudleys?" I knew them from ECW and later the WWF. Did they just get old or hurt and stop wrestling? That is really what he asked me, folks. Did they just get old or hurt and stop wrestling? So the the do you want to answer this one? The TLDR too long didn't read answer would be no. <laughs> They didn't just stop. Um, they did split up. 
They, uh, Devon went to continue doing other things in WWE while, um, while, uh, Bully Ray, as he became known, started wrestling in Ring of Honor and TNA and every place that would have him. Um, the Dudleys as a whole are not together, uh, again. I'm not entirely sure if Devon's still wrestling, but Devon is a producer backstage for the WWE. Mm -hmm. He works behind the scenes now, yep. and he also has been um, helping regroom um, Ronda Rousey into coming back into the uh, to the fold, so to speak. So uh, the next one, uh, you're probably going to have to feel this one, brother. Uh, Ryan from Baltimore asks. What's next for Khabib Nurmagomedov? Khabib Nurmagomedov, the UFC lightweight champion. <laughs> I'm um, sorry for butchering that name, but it looked absolutely off. But yeah, um, okay. for MMA fans, you definitely know who Khabib Nurmagomedov is. Uh, famously, last year he picked up the strap from uh, an utter annihilation of uh, Conor McGregor last uh, last fall. He was suspended for a year due to his actions after the after the fight with Connor, he essentially choked Connor out and like a pro wrestling angle, he jumped out of the cage and attacked Connor McGregor's jiu-jitsu coach, Dylan Dennis. Dang. It looked like a pro wrestling angle. And then while he's doing that, Habib's buddies climbed in the cage and attacked Connor. And this is all real. It was the best angle I've ever seen. Should have been it was an like angle. It was like the damn Shibata angle in New Japan, only it was real and it was in the UFC. So, Habib Nurmagomedov was suspended for a year due to his actions, and due to the fact he couldn't defend the belt for a year, they had to create an interim champion. Dustin Poirier uh, took on Max Holloway this spring. Mm -hmm. Max Holloway is the featherweight champion in 145-pound weight class. They put on a classic fight, and Dustin Poirier won. So Dustin Poirier was the interim champion. Mm -hmm. They had to unify the titles. So last Saturday in Abu Dhabi, the UFC ran UFC 242, Habib Nurmagomedov, the lightweight champion, defended against the interim champion, Dustin Poirier. It went three rounds. Habib annihilated Dustin Poirier. He manhandled him and then choked him out. What is next for Habib? Well, the only fight that makes sense for him is Tony Ferguson. Um, now, he called out George St. Pierre after the fight, but I don't think the UFC really has any notions of making that fight at all. It would definitely you know, make money and sell pay-per-views, but I don't think it's actually on the table. What makes sense is Tony Ferguson. That's the fight that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But in all reality, if Conor McGregor is serious and wants the rematch with Khabib, the oh, UFC yeah. will probably give it to him yeah. just because he's Conor McGregor. Uh, but most people would say Tony Ferguson deserves the title shot, which he does. Most people say Tony Ferguson is the only guy that might be able to beat Habib. I don't know. But yeah, what's next for Habib? Uh, realistically, Tony Ferguson, possibly Conor McGregor. Yeah. So the next uh, question was uh, anonymous, uh, but they asked both you and I, um, if you could pick one match for a non-wrestling fan to watch, oh, this is a good what question. match would you pick? This is a good question. This is from someone that follows me on Twitter who asked me not to uh, mention their name. Um, you want to take this one first? I have mine. Um, it's almost a bit cliche, but it, it to me, especially if you're starting, mm -hmm. this is a very thing, a good thing to start with. And that would be uh, Savage Steamboat WrestleMania 3. 
that's a good place to start if you're looking for a technical wrestling match that has a very good story behind it, very yeah. good angle. I mean, if you're looking for like the match that made money, obviously it would be Hogan and Andre. Yeah, but that this sucks. match that match is terrible. What do you mean that match is terrible? Hogan and Andre is terrible. Oh god. Have you watched it? Yes. In like the past thirty years, uh-huh. it is tap absolutely terrible. Andre can barely move. Yeah. I mean the crowd the only thing that makes that match good is the crowd being so hot. The heat for that match is so big because Hogan was so over in eighty seven and there's like ninety thousand people there. But the Steamboat Savage match. Yeah, yeah that, that, that yeah. that's my pick. That's, there, a, good, like, that's a good. Watch. That's a good pick. I like yeah. that. Like I said, it's a bit cliche because a lot of people uh, will always seem to go to that match, but it's it's the one, especially if you're if you're trying to enlighten someone about how good a wrestling match can, uh, sorry, wrestling match can be. That's where I go first. All right, this is a that's a tough question for me because um, you've seen a lot of wrestling, man. I mean, like it's in, it's glued into you. That is so difficult to ask. Um, there's so many matches I could recommend to people that have never seen it, but I guess if I had to, I'd probably narrow it down to something like um, Shibata and Tomohiro Ishii from the G1 in 2014. Mm-hmm. Ishii and um, hmm, let me see here. Um, so yeah, okay, okay. Shibata and Ishii from the G One in twenty fourteen. Uh-huh. That's one I would definitely, definitely recommend. Possibly. Osprey and Ricochet from the Best of Super Juniors in 2016. What would you say about maybe uh, Okada and Omega? Um, if I had to pick an Omega Okada match, I'd probably pick the one from the G1 mm-hmm. because the one from Russell. Even though I prefer the okay, well, well, let me okay, hold on for a second. <laughs> what is out of all? Have you seen all the Okada Omega matches? I've seen the second and the third. All right. I think I, I the one I prefer the most, me personally, is probably the first one and the G one match. The uh-huh. the first one when Okada won clean at Wrestle Kingdom. I loved that match. Uh-huh. It blew my brains out. I'd never seen anything like that before. I knew it was the best match I ever saw. Uh-huh. And then I seen the rematch at Dominion. It went to a title match draw. Yeah. And I knew that was the best match I ever saw. Uh-huh. Then a month later, they put on like a twenty five minute sprint. Of just action. And Kenny Omega won clean with the one-winged angel in the G1. And then a year later, Dominion, of course, Kenny finally goes over and wins yep. the belt. wins the belt. So if I had to pick out the Omega-Okada matches, I'd probably pick the G1 match or the Wrestle Kingdom match. Um, a match that I would recommend, okay, Shibata and Tomohiro Ishii. That's what okay. I would recommend. Okay. Shibata and Tomohiro Ishii from the G1 in 2014. Because it's... The closest thing to a real fight I can possibly think of. Hmm. All right. Uh, next question is from Demetrius, who's from Flint, Michigan, by the way. Peanut! <laughs> That's him. It's my boy, Peanut. Peanut. Yeah. So, uh, by the way, you know, my heart goes out to the people of Flint. Hope their water problem still gets uh, fixed at some point, because... Nobody should be living without water, especially in a situation like that. What a fucking travesty that is. Mm-hmm. Um, but his question is, uh, what holds up better today? Flair's Steamboat Trilogy from 1989 
or the Hulk Hogan and Ultimate Warrior match from WrestleMania 6? Wow, that's another good question. Go ahead, you can take this one. What do you well, I'll answer the go but what do you think? Um Honestly, by judging how rare at the time it was for a a face to fight a baby face. Um, especially in the WWE. Um, there's a lot of good merits to the Hulk Hogan and uh, Ultimate Warrior match, but Flair and Steamboat, they they had some really good matches. And Flair, uh, I hear all kinds of talk about how Flair has the same match and has had the same match for eons. Back then, it really didn't make a difference. He could work with anybody. Yeah, Ric Flair could. He could do what he does, and there's a reason why people call him still the greatest wrestler to Rick ever live. Was so believable. It was believable when he was selling. Like mm -hmm. when Rick would take a back bump, mm -hmm. Jim Ross or Tony Schiavone would say he broke his back in the airplane crash. Yeah, and he would scream and sell, and you believe that his back was hurt so bad from that bump, mm -hmm. from a suplex or the top rope. His back was broken in the airplane crash in 1977, and somehow, he, and you're believing it, and Rick is screaming, Rick could sell. And when Rick was leading, Rick's working on that leg, and you believe that Ricky Steamboat could barely get up. Yeah. He can barely get up off the ground and come back, but somehow, he's got that baby and his wife in the audience, and they're right there in the front row, and that little fucker's dressed up like Ricky with a gi on and a little headband karate kid, mm -hmm. and Ricky, is his leg is so hurt from Rick just figure forward and working that leg and Ricky gets up. There's some beautiful professional wrestling. But how right there. much of that is Jim Ross and Tony Schiavone compared to the hype from the rest of the match? Well it's the it's the whole package. It's the whole package. It's the whole package. But then again you also had Gorilla Monsoon, Bobby the Brain Heen and uh and Vince sure. McMahon Every once in a while, depending. Yeah. Uh, I don't know who called WrestleMania sick. Was that who was that Monsoon and I know Bobby was no, it wasn't no, Bobby Heenan. It, it was not. It was Body Just the Body, body Ventura and Gorilla Monsoon. Yep. And that was. I mean, that was a very good commentator team too. Hogan and Warrior One. <coughs> I wouldn't say it's an all-time classic. Well, it is an all-time classic, but it's good for a different reason mm -hmm. than and Ric Flair and Ricky Steamboat. Yeah. So it's very tough to really gauge. But if you if I had to really honestly pick one, I'd say Flair Steamboat. I, uh, there's not even a choice for me, Flair Steamboat. Um, even though I think money-wise, oh, Hogan, Hogan Warrior, made the, Warrior made the most oh, money. Oh, that made the money. They sold out the Sky Dome. Mm -hmm. And it was like, it was like, a, I mean, do you remember the, it, it was like, do you remember seeing WrestleMania? I, oh yeah, I remember, I remember like, not even, I remember being like 10 years old thinking like, what happens now? Yeah. Like we saw it together, dude. Yeah, like what happens now? Like so many people love. I, I I wasn't sold on the Ultimate. I hated Warrior. the Ultimate Warrior. I, I wasn't sold on him. My yet. stepsister was like really into him, and we both got the wrestling buddies. I got Hulk Hogan. She got Ultimate Warrior. And I I gotta tell you, when he moved from that leg drop, I almost had an existential crisis. <laughs> Hogan did real good, and then after the match, like they um. The way Hogan looks, like he's going. Remember that that little like that little ring that yeah. was like WrestleMania three, and the Warriors like celebrating in the ring, holding up the Intercontinental and the the yeah, world title. 
And I'm thinking like, what happens now? Like, what is this? Yeah. Is this? What? But that was the that was when the WWE was able to tell good stories. Yeah, that was that was really good storytelling. Mm -hmm. The warrior like. His face paint completely went off because the match was so grueling. And it was and so... Obviously, you know, the temperature <clears throat> of both of them, sweating buckets. Yeah. I mean... I would say it's Warrior's best match. Like, if I had to pick the best Ultimate Warrior match... Rick I'd, Rude. Yeah, Rick Rude from that SummerSlam from that year, I uh -huh. think. Or the year when Rude won the, won the Intercontinental of WrestleMania. Yeah. I mean, yeah. And, and, and people... Uh, how good of a wrestler was Rick Rude? And I'm like, yeah, dude. He was amazing. This and Savage match at WrestleMania 7 actually isn't that bad, really. No, it's not, but Savage... But that was all Randy Savage. Honestly... That Randy carried that, that match. Randy that was all Randy carried that yeah. match. That was all... Just like Rick Rude, that was all Rick Rude, mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah, it's because of those guys that made those matches good. So, yeah. thank you once again for all these questions. We're going to save some from next week, obviously. But if you do have uh, more questions for us... Um, Please, you know, DM us on the uh, the Chop Shop page on Facebook, or you can uh, talk to Luke on Twitter, um, and under Charm City Center. Yeah, I'll. Uh, you can also send me something on YouTube or uh, Twitter. I'm not going to put my personal email out there just Obviously. yet. Obviously, I'm going to eventually make a uh, Chop Shop email to put out there. But uh, yeah, you can find me on uh, Twitter. At um, I've even changed my Twitter handle, so it's the Charm City Center at the PW Chop Shop. Yeah. So, there you go. Awesome sauce. Yeah, and uh, check out our page on Facebook. You can send us questions to any of these locations, and we will field them uh, next week or in the weeks to come. Yep. So we uh, what uh, do we have any announcements for next week or the week after? What's... Um, this Sunday, New Japan's running a big show. Um, Destruction actually Sunday and Monday, New Japan's running mm -hmm. a big show. The WWF, WWE is running their Clash of Champions show, whoop-de-fucking-do, Sunday. I'm not looking forward to that, obviously, because it's just... Yeah, I'm not going to watch it. Nobody's really going to watch no. it. So I'll have the results from all the Bloodsport show next week and all the uh, fallout from the New Japan shows. Um, we have the Tanahashi-Zack Sabre Jr. match, again. And then we have the uh, tag title match with the Girls of Destiny mm -hmm. and Ishii. And... Uh, Yoshihashi, and then we also have um, the next night Kenta against Kota Ibushi, and there's one more. Is it Osprey? It might be Osprey and Eagles. Yeah, Osprey and Eagles against the El birds of prey. The birds I thought, of prey. Yeah, I thought that was a, a very good, uh, a very good name for a tag team. I love it because technically an Osprey and more Will Osprey, King of the Will Osprey in the Chop Shop. Yep, we love Will Osprey. Here. We love him. Him and Naito, they join uh, join together in the same um, matrimonious ceremony <laughs> thing of what's going on. But uh, yes, uh, so just like I said, uh, keep uh, keep posted on the Chop Shop, and uh, we are out of time. Well, I had another great episode, Daniel. Yeah, I'll my see brother. You next week, my tag team partner. Have a nice week, everybody. Damn it, the cricket's back! I'm getting a knife. <laughs>